As we read these events, it's important to give context and understanding. Because during Jesus' pilgrimage to Jerusalem, we're told that it was his custom to retreat in the evenings to a garden, the Mount of Olives. And after sharing supper with his disciples, he withdrew there, agonizing over his divinely given and assigned mission, his sweat becoming like drops of blood. And then a crowd, the chief priest, the temple officers and the elders, the power brokers of Jewish religion, led by one man, a familiar friend, a companion of Jesus's, the man we know as Judas, came out to arrest Jesus. It was a dark night of betrayal, of pain, personal and corporate. And the disciples, promptly falling into temptation, defend Jesus with a sword, despite having no permission to do so. They ask Jesus the question, do you want us to do it? And then Peter jumps into action. He severed the right ear of the high priest's servant from his head. Jesus' response to that act of violence is our focus in these brief moments of reflection. In verse 51 of chapter 22, this is what Jesus says. No more of this. No more of this. And the words, of course, have a specific context. The specific context is that Jesus is telling Peter to lay down his arms, to knock it off, to quit, to not do this anymore. However, it's also important, it's critical to recognize that these words of Jesus, that they're pregnant, laden with theological meaning. Words to consider within the overarching purposes of God that we read across the scriptures. And so this evening, we'll consider three different senses of these simple words. No more of this. And the first thing that we see here in Jesus' words is that Jesus arrests all misguided attempts at religion. See, Jesus had just explained to Peter that he would deny him three times. Peter could not understand how Jesus would come to this conclusion. He was a loyal disciple, perhaps the most brazen and outspoken. And so eager to vindicate himself, you can see why Peter drew the sword first and went after the high priest's servant. He was eager to draw blood in Jesus' name. He was seeking to bring the kingdom by force, trampling down the bodies of others, to enforce the will of God. Despite appearing to be an act of loyalty, what is happening here is a substitution of human wisdom and human means for the wisdom and the means of God. 
It's our sinful attempt to engineer and manufacture the kingdom of God on our own terms. This is what Peter was engaged in on this night. And Jesus is saying, when he tells Peter no more of this, that he's profoundly misguided. That he is not understanding God or his kingdom and the way that that kingdom works. And so here in this garden, Peter's actions reflect that fatal decision made in another garden hundreds and thousands of years before when God's wisdom was traded for our own and we became darkened in our minds. And Jesus seeks to arrest it, to stop it, to say enough that this is not the way. And as he does so, he speaks out against all attempts to do religion by our own wisdom and by our own means. Because in the void of being separated from God, we have that inclination to engage with him, but yet it's still an inclination tainted and covered by sin to do it on our own terms. And so Jesus condemns the fundamentalist project. That is the project that we undertake, no matter how versed we may be in the scriptures and knowledgeable of them. When we seek to gain God's favor by doing enough good things, covering up our demerits with our merits, that this is a project inspired by human wisdom. It's not the terms that God establishes for reconciling himself to us. And he condemns also the enlightened humanist project. No matter how just and merciful to the designs of that project may be, the project focuses on building the kingdom in the present social order of the world by political outrage and by political force. And this, too, is not the method and the way of the kingdom. It isn't submissive to God's wisdom. And so Jesus bids farewell to all misguided religion as it's represented there in his own disciple, Peter. It's a religion that seeks to actualize the kingdom by human tactics and form by human wisdom. And Jesus says no more of this. Enough. The second thing that we see in these words of Jesus is that he also expresses his own determination. In saying no more of this, it's important to recognize that Jesus is handing himself over. He is telling his disciples to put down their swords so that he can give himself into the hands of these religious authorities that will then result in him being handed over to the Roman powers. Jesus says no more of this so that he can go to the cross, so that he can bring all the chaos that's on display in front of him, both the chaos that's among his disciples, the church, and amongst the secular powers, that he can bring it to an end. And so Jesus says no more of this 
so that he can give himself over to public humiliation. He says no more of this so that he can die between two convicted criminals. He says no more of this so that he would be humiliated and that he would give himself over to the power of darkness. In verse 37 of chapter 22, Jesus explains exactly why he would be handed over. Listen carefully to what he says to his disciples. For I tell you that this scripture must be fulfilled in me. And then he quotes it. And he was numbered with the transgressors. The quotation comes from the prophet Isaiah, chapter 53, verse 12. It's known as a song of the suffering servant. And it's a song that speaks of a servant who will come and be killed, who will die with the transgressors. He will suffer violence. But then that death is assigned a certain meaning, that he would bear the sins of many in his body. That in his death, he would be a representative. He would be one who died on behalf of many who looked to him. And so we have something exceedingly strange taking place here. That Jesus is determined to fulfill this mission, that he would be numbered amongst the transgressors, in order that he would bear their sins in his body. He would accept the weight of their wrong, that he would be judged on their behalf. And this strangeness, is at the very heart of the gospel. And it's a strangeness that defies our own wisdom and it defies our conceptions of God. Because here we have God forsaken. We have God forsaken by the religious authorities, the ones who are to approve him and teach him. We have God forsaken by the secular power. And we have God even forsaken by the common folk even those who called themselves his friends. We see God degraded and tortured, publicly humiliated. There's nothing pleasant about crucifixion. We have God pinned to wooden beams. We have God discarded on the trash heap of humanity. Jesus, yet another martyr of the Jewish cause. And it is this very vision of God suffering that challenges us. It challenges us to the core. Daniel Bartholomew, in a short story that was published in The New Yorker, the short story is entitled Cortez and Montezuma. It's a fictional conversation that took place, that takes place, between the Spanish conquistador, Hernan Cortes, and the Aztec emperor, Montezuma. And Montezuma is learning about Christianity from Cortes. And Montezuma says this, I especially like your Holy Ghost. And the Father, he is all right too. But that the Son should be sacrificed seems to me wrong. It seems to me he should be sacrificed too. And yes, this is the way 
that our thinking and our wisdom works. That if the son has honor, he should receive sacrifices. He should be honored. And yet the logic of the gospel says not that we are to sacrifice for Jesus, but that he would sacrifice for us, that he would give himself for us. And so Jesus says no more of this, hands himself over, and in handing himself over, the most important determination of the history of the world for you and for me has been made because Jesus decisively heads here for the cross where he bears our sins in his body that they might be judged in him and we might be reconciled to God. No more of this. Jesus' determination to be for us. But the final thing that we see in these simple words is that Jesus also announces the end. It's an announcement of the end of the old order of the world. An order that reigned from the first garden, when God's wisdom was betrayed and forsaken, and an order that took them all the way to this night in this second garden. And Jesus says no more of this to declare the inauguration, the beginning of something new. You see, after Peter cleaved off the servant's ear with his sword, Jesus reaches out to this man, his enemy, the one who would arrest him and read him his rights and detain him. And Jesus touches his brutalized ear, and Scripture tells us he heals it an act of new creation, something maimed and destroyed, brought to new life. And what Jesus is doing in this second garden is that he's bringing the long and the tragic story of Adam's shame, of your shame and of my shame. He's bringing all of that long and that tragic story to a climatic and a decisive end. And what he demonstrates in determining himself for the cross and setting his path in that way is that through his death will come the reversal of all the sadness. That through his death will come the reversal of all the grief. That through his death will come the reversal of all the sorrow and all the wrong and all the injustice. And that ultimately through his death will come the death of death itself. Because through the judge being judged in our place will come the healing of all things. And this miracle of the servant's ear being made new would be a small thing. That the healing of the nations comes through the death of this one. That yes, Jesus says, no more of this. Because it's an end that announces a new beginning. This is what Jesus brings about. And the simple words, no more of this. 
He's bringing about everything new, bearing the weight of your failures and of my failures, bearing the weight of all of that shame and announcing the end of that old, tired, and weary order that reigns supreme in our world and bringing life and light. This is the import of everything we see here tonight in the Gospels. And so, yes, in the solemn hour, in the deep reflection and in the difficulty, hear the voice of Jesus say no more of this. And it let it be the death of all religion inspired by human wisdom in you. And let it be the source of life to know that Jesus determined himself for you. He was that committed to you to go to the cross and hear him announce the end. The end that is a beginning, an inauguration of the healing of the nations. Let's pray. This evening, Father, we do recognize the weight of these things. That our Lord Jesus was numbered among the transgressors to bear our transgressions in his body. And in the end of him, there is a beginning, new life. Through his death, you bring about the healing of the nations. And so draw us up into this great mystery of these things that you have worked on our behalf and lead us into the height and the width and the depth and the breadth of your love for us in your son. We pray in his name. Amen.